Amen. So, Heavenly Father, you are wonderful to us. Lord Jesus, you are the wonder of wonders. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. We are grateful for all that you have done for us that we might have life. Your sacrifice of yourself, the giving of yourself so that we might live. Your words of promise to keep us alive and give us hope in hopeless times. We pray, Lord, that tonight as we gather in this place and for uh, those who are here in this building, those who join us electronically, <clears throat> we pray that you might be with each one of them because you are everywhere and we thank you for your presence with us in all the circumstances and all the places of life. So tonight, we ask that you would help us again to have insight and understanding into your word. We thank you for we thank you for your work in the life of Moses, the lawgiver, uh, this man of God who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to think about these great truths from your word. We ask that you might not let them slip out of our minds. We ask that you'd help us to be spiritually attentive to them, and that we'd set our mind on the most important things, spiritual things, and not be so distracted by all the cares and worries of life. We bring our thoughts captive now to the obedience of Christ. We pray for that person or persons you've put on our heart tonight. May your will be done in their life. May Jesus be honored and glorified in their lives. And we thank you for the chance that we have to pray for them. And we believe by faith that you will do what needs to be done in their lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you tonight. And if you have your uh, Bibles, if you'll find your place in Exodus chapter 5. If you're uh, joining us here uh, in our Bible study, we're looking at uh, these days... Moses, a man who heard from God. So we'll be working through uh, the book of Exodus for, uh, Lord willing, a long time or until Jesus comes. How's that? We'll, we'll just work it that way. I want us to go chapter by chapter. I think there are some things we don't want to miss. Many of you in here, knowing who's in this room, uh, you're very knowledgeable people of God's Word. Those of you joining us electronically, God bless you. We miss you. We love you. And we pray God's best for you. Come back when you're ready. And when you feel like you can, and uh, so we miss you, and so we, we, uh, we're, we're glad we have the chance in God's Word. We've covered a number of things. We've had a few weeks where I've been gone, and, and uh, so we haven't been able to just uh, steadily go through this. The outlines from the past are available if you want to look at those online. But tonight, uh, the focal truth of what I'll be looking at, and we'll only look primarily at chapter 5, is this, that God's promises always come to pass in His time. God's promises always come to pass in His time. So we look at this very interesting section in uh, Exodus chapter 5. Let's read it so that we might uh, be together in our minds around God's Word. And afterward, <clears throat> Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Otherwise, he will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. Again, Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now many, and you would have them cease from their labors? So the same day, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters over the people and their foremen, saying, You are no longer to give the people straw to make brick as previously. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the quota of bricks which they were making previously, you shall impose on them. You are not to reduce any of it, 
because they are lazy. Therefore, they cry out, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so that they will pay no attention to false words. So the taskmasters of the people and their foremen went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I am not going to give you any straw. You go and get straw for yourselves wherever you can find it, but none of your labor will be reduced. So the people scattered through all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The task, taskmasters pressed them, saying, Complete your work quota, your daily amount, just as when you had straw. Moreover, the foremen of the sons of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, why have you not completed your required amount, either yesterday or today, in making brick as previously? Then the foremen of the sons of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why do you deal this way with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, yet they keep saying to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are being beaten, but it is the fault of your own people. But he said, you are lazy, very lazy. Therefore you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. So go now and work, for you will be given no straw. You must deliver the quota of bricks. The foremen of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. When they left Pharaoh's presence, <clears throat> they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. They said to Moses and Aaron, May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why, do you ever, why did you ever send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. So now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of the Word of God, and may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. I, I say this now without any dra dramatics, but I say this next statement with, uh, with um, a real exhortation to you. Your life is based upon the promises that you believe. Your life is based upon the promises you believe. We've had enough death and dying in our world. Somehow people still don't understand that today. Every last one of us have been given a number of days to live. Yeah, you know, this is not, I'm not saying this simply because I'm an old person. I'm saying this to the young who hear me and to the old and the middle age and whatever you are. Every one of us has only a number of days. And I ask you tonight, so what is your assurance of what happens to you when you die? What do you base that on? What are the promises that you have established your life on? Just being a good person? You know, that, that's true for people in church too. I, I've heard it all my ministry life. Well, I'll just be a good person. Good people go to hell who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is not about goodness. You see, every one of us in this room are building our assurance on a set of promises from someone. They might be promises you've made to yourself. You, you, you've had self-talk and you've said, this is, this is the way it will be, and you've come up with your own ideas. Perhaps you've blended that with some of the truths of God's Word. 
I'm asking you this because all that we read here tonight is based on the promises of God and the timing of God to fulfill His promises. <clears throat> Some of us live our Christian life as if all of the promises of God have already happened and there are no, none other to come. Then you've misread your Bible. For we are now waiting for great promises yet to come. Not all not all of God's promises have been fulfilled. So I'm asking you today, what are you basing your assurance and certainty of your future on? What kind of promises are you counting on? Well, this is what happens here in uh, Exodus 5. It seems so powerful what's happened. Let's review for a moment. Uh, we find in Exodus 3, you, you have in your, most of your Bibles have topics. The, uh, the um, editors have been hel helpful in many of your translations to put uh, headings at the top of the chapters. You have the burning bush where God, where Moses hears from God for the first time. And God speaks to him out of that marvelous, amazing bush that did not, was never destroyed. And so he receives his mission in chapter 3 to go back to Egypt, the place he, he, he left and forsook and go back and be the deliverer of the children of Israel and fulfill the word. Last, last time I spoke to you in Exodus 4, God gave him powers so that he could demonstrate that he was God's man. Miracles always are uh, uh, tied to the powerful work of God as God begins to do his work. As we see in Moses, we also see it with the Lord Jesus Christ, and we saw it with the apostles, those great works of powers as the word of God was shared in the gospel was confirmed by the works and the signs of the apostles. Then we come now, so in chapter 4, Moses uh, spends this time and he goes and he uh, talks with God. He gets the rest of his instructions. Aaron is given to him to help him, chapter 4. Then he meets with the elders of Israel, <clears throat> verse 31 of chapter 4, so the people believed. What did they believe? They believed the promise that Moses brought them that they were going to be delivered. They believed the promise of God. We pick up the word of God and what we need is not just knowledge of how the Bible is put together and all these stories and the way it is and the detail of it all. We pick up the Word of God, for in the Word of God we find His great promises that get us through life here and help us know how to live and to die. And I would be sad as your pastor if, I, if, if you are unequipped to understand how to use the promises of God in your life, I will have felt like I failed in my ministry here. This is of utmost importance for us all tonight. So in Exodus 3, 7, and 8, I've, given them, I've just printed them out on your outline. This is the promise of God. The Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmaster. So <clears throat> God has seen the condition of Israel. It's a terrible condition they're in. <clears throat> he has heard their prayers, their cries, and He is aware of their sufferings, 3, 7, and 8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the, uh, of the Canaanite, the Hittite, Amorite, the Perizzite, Hivite, Jebusite. He goes on, chapter 317, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of Canaan, of the Canaanite, the Hittite, Amorite, and he goes on, to a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the promise of God. Deliverance for Israel. This is the promise of God. But then we read, uh, we read now chapter 5, and we'll look at it here for just a moment in a little bit more detail in these observations, but I want to pick up the last two verses. Now Moses goes back to God after this first meeting with Pharaoh. 
after he first goes and meets with Pharaoh and declares to him God's word. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Why have you brought harm to this people? You see, God gave Moses the promise, the promise that he's going to deliver Israel. Moses goes and delivers it first to the elders of Israel. They believed, and by the way, it does say, which is wonderful, this is what you do when you understand the promises of God. Uh, this is 431. The people believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, notice they bowed low and worshiped. When you really understand the promises of God, it will lead you to great worship. Our brothers and sisters tonight sang for us great promises from the Word of God. Our songs are based on the promises of God. Our, our, uh, our encouragement to one another is based on the promises of God. And so here we see Moses, now he comes back and says to the Lord, Why have you brought harm to this people? And why did you ever send me? It seems worse now than it was before. This is what Moses is putting before God. <clears throat> I thought I went to do your, the job you called me to do, and it's a big mess. It's worse now for the people than it was before I went to do what you called me to do. 23, ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. We learn much about how to hear from God, from Moses, and we also learn how to pray and talk with God from Moses. There is much for us to learn. <clears throat> That's why we're lingering and walking slowly through Exodus because there are some things for our spiritual life. So what do we see here? Well, I've already mentioned God promised Moses he'd deliver Israel. God revealed Moses that he would judge uh, Egypt for refusing to let them go. In fact, go back and look at that. Chapter 3, 19. God, I mentioned this two weeks ago. God's people know God's secrets. The world doesn't know God's secrets. The secrets of God are the will of God, the purposes of God, the ways of God, the work of God. I, I am amazed these days at the lack of understanding of God's people that somehow think that there's something has derailed the work of God in these worrisome, troublesome times in which we live. I'm asking some of you old people in here, has it ever been bad in the world or is it just now? How is it that we act as if it's never been so bad? Anybody ever heard of World War II? Anybody ever heard of Vietnam? Anybody in here ever heard of pestilence and disease and famines and earthquakes and trials? And yet it seems that God's people are shaken. You see... God tells His people His secrets, and His secrets are revealed in His Word. That's why we go to His Word. That's why we spend our time in the Word of God, so that we might know the secrets of God. Look, God gave, God gave Moses the entire plan of His salvation of Israel here in chapter 3. I'll, just, I'll read it to you. You haven't all been with me this whole, all the time I've been. But I know, this is chapter 319. I know that the king of Egypt will not permit you to go, except under compulsion. Verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my miracles, which I shall do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. So Moses already knows <clears throat> but Moses forgot the Word of God. Moses went and did his job, though. And let's get to that. <clears throat> what an amazing thing we read in chapter 5. Can you imagine? Now, here shows, here shows up Moses. Perhaps some, some few were left. There have been a lot of generational changes. There have been two, at least two pharaohs since uh, uh, Moses left Egypt. He's been 40 years plus in the wilderness out there as a sheep herder in Midian with the other ancestors and family of Abraham from his second wife. 
He's been at the mountain of God. He's not as sophisticated as he used to be, but he still has his education from all of his Egyptian training, having been the adopted, the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. So now he comes back not with his Egyptian robes, but he shows up looking like a Jewish shepherd. And here's his brother. And they come before the mighty Pharaoh, the man who has the power, all world power in his hands, the greatest of all kingdom worldwide leaders at the time. And what does Moses do? I love his boldness. I love his obedience. It's what we're supposed to do in this world that seems so, so intimidating. And afterward, Moses and Aaron came and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord. Here's what God's word says. That's what he's saying. Here is God's word, Pharaoh. Here is God's word. Thus, please read your Bible carefully. Thus says the Lord. It's all in uppercase letters. It is Thus says Yahweh. Let's go back. Remember, God also revealed to Moses who he was. Let's see it again. I'll read it. It's in chapter 3, 6. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at him. He goes on down and says in verse 14 of chapter 3, I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am have sent you. <clears throat> Yahweh, the great covenant name of God. He says, thus says Yahweh, please notice, the God of Israel. He identifies Yahweh as the God of Israel. Pharaoh knew Israel, he knew them. He was afraid, the Pharaoh before him was afraid because the uh, Israelites were growing in population. We read that in chapter 1. So they had to control them in a government way. Let my people go, Yahweh says, that they may celebrate a feast to me in the wilderness. Oh, the boldness of Moses and Aaron to go and speak in the face of the world leader of the world powers at that time. Unbelieving world leader, Pharaoh. But Pharaoh says, just like the world says, Who is Yahweh that I should obey His voice? When you preach the gospel, lots of times people say, Who is Jesus Christ that I should do what He says? You see, we see that in uh, this time of Moses going, he speaks in the name of God, the Word of God to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh refuses to obey God's call. So Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh makes a change here. So he says, I do not know the Lord, and besides, I will not let Israel go. Verse 2, there's his position. Then, he's, th then they said, Moses said, again, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days, journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, otherwise He will fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. We'll be judged if we do not obey God. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why do you draw the people away from their work? Get back to your labors. All this talk about God doesn't matter. Just get to work. Do your job. Do your part in living in Egypt. Doing the things that you've been called to do. So, uh, Pharaoh refuses to obey God, and then Pharaoh punishes Israel with hard labor. We read this in detail, and how wonderful the Word of God is. It's so detailed. Remember, Moses is the author of the first five books of, of the, the Word of God. Uh, he, is, uh, he, is a, he, he has a famous song. The song of Moses is attached to the song of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. He is one we learn much from. We understand and look at Moses' life. He, he points and is an example and a model and a type of Jesus Christ, our Lord, in many ways. 
<clears throat> so now we find this matter. Work harder. I want to come down to verse number nine. It's the back and forth here. Get to work. Look, the people of the land, we have many people get to work. Uh, you, you know, so here's what I want you to do. You're going to make your same quota, but I'm taking away the straw. We all know the story. Straw is the only way that holds the brick substance together. But the quota, the bricks have to still be made. So what does he say? Verse 9 is very important. I love this phrase from Pharaoh. Let the labor be heavier on the men and let them work at it so they will pay no attention to false words. You see, Pharaoh looked at the words of God as false words, as lies. He said, if you work really hard, you won't think about such foolish things as spiritual things. That sounds like the world today. Why all this talk about God and forgiveness and heaven? Just get to work. That's what America used to do. A lot of people don't work anymore, do they? Get to work and quit thinking about all these false words. If you work hard enough, if the people work hard enough, they're not going to be distracted by your message, Moses, Aaron. Oh, the distracted people of the world today. Oh, the distracted people of the church today. Distracted. Drawn away. Chasing everything under the sun. Having no time for the Word of God nor prayer. Not listening to what God has said. Not thinking or considering the promises of God. What a sad day it is. Just get to work. Just stay busy. Just live a busy life and you won't worry about all of this false talk that comes in, in the Word of God. That's what the world says. That's what the world says to your children and grandchildren. Unless you step in to say, no, wait a minute, we will talk about these things. We will talk about the truths of God's Word. Well, then the, the scene changes in verse 10, and it's the taskmasters and the foremen of the Israelites. And they, these are the ones who have to make it work. Pharaoh's given the order, now it passes down to the, to the taskmasters and the foremen. Some of you have jobs like that. You get the word from the boss, and that's your job to make it happen. So this next section is that whole matter of seeing this, that they suffer greater... Uh, punishment, it seems, from Pharaoh because of what God has asked Moses and Aaron to do. Because the Word of God was preached to this worldly, unbelieving Pharaoh, world leader, he rejects God, refuses to do it, redu do what God has asked for him to do, and so he makes it harder on Israel. They suffer. Their suffering increases, and that's beginning in 12. They scatter through the land, and they start gathering stubble for straw. What a pitiful statement. Stubble for straw. The taskmasters are pressing them. Complete your quotas, verse 13. Uh, the foremen, finally, of Israel, they don't cry to God. They cry to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's taskmasters have beaten us, and why have you complete? Why have you made this requirement? And then the foreman came, and they cried to Pharaoh, fifteen, Why are you doing this to us? And Israel complains then to Moses. Notice now they don't believe the message of God because they're listen. This is very important. Their suffering has increased. Their afflictions have gone up. They're having a harder time though they've already heard the message before Pharaoh heard it, that they're going to be delivered. But now they say to those preachers, may the Lord look upon you and judge you, preachers, Moses, Aaron, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight, as if they were not already odious in Pharaoh's sight. And in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. They were worried about self-preservation. Oh, here we go now. Self-preservation in America today. That seems to be the most important topic. Not salvation in Jesus Christ. Self-preservation. 
I'm just going to take care of me and my own. Nobody else matters. That's not what we committed to do as followers of Jesus. We care for one another, regardless of what it costs. Self-preservation now stands as the issue. Their sufferings cause them to desire to be protected and they were already suffering. They were already groaning. They were already moaning. Uh, as we saw early in this in Exodus 1, 23, it came about the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel sighed because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry for help because of their bondage rose up to God. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. Tonight, whatever you are going through, God sees where you are. Whatever you are going through, you people who are listening to me, whatever you are going through, God sees what you are going through. And we know that the Lord Jesus feels the feeling of our afflictions. That's when you pray and you go to our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. He feels the feeling of what you're going through in all the days of your life. So then we come to Moses and his, he's perplexed now. We end chapter 5 with his prayer to God. Now we'll see as we come back in the days ahead, uh, chapter 6 and on what God does. And, but, but today we stop with this because this is where I want us to linger and pause. Because this is where many of God's people are today. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the people of God. Given the conditions and circumstances and afflictions of life, I, I, I just, I guess this is it. The challenge, because death is in the face of so many and it's so prominent in our world today, truly, I must ask, every Christian, certainly you're not afraid to die. Certainly you're not afraid to die. You see, this becomes our challenge. Certainly you understand affliction is a part of the Christian life. Certainly you understand that suffering is real. And so this is where, how do I live with the promises of God, though they've not all been fulfilled in my life and I've not experienced them all, and yet I'm still suffering. This is the challenge of Exodus 5. So I want to spend some time on this, but I want to go through... Uh, and read to you, and I've put it on the paper so we can just have it here. And I've, I, I might as well just underlined all the words, but I, now that I look at it, I might as well have. But notice what Peter says. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. I say it to all of you, my brothers and sisters. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Listen to me. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not terror and fear be multiplied to you. What you hear in Pastor Mike tonight is this, that there is great distraction among God's people and there is a lack of grace and peace among God's people, even First Baptist Church. The days are churning and troubling and worrying many. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge... How do I get grace and peace multiplied? Are you, just read your Bible here. In the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. That brings me grace and peace. When was the last time you thought about the glorious power of God in Jesus Christ? Oh, did you know that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead and is alive tonight? We serve a living Savior. We serve a living Lord. You're not, you're not tied to chance. 
You are tied to the providence and work of God in your life, even in deep and hard sufferings for however many more days you have left and I have left. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. You have everything because of the power of God through our Lord Jesus Christ that you need for life and for godly living. You have everything you need. You have everything you need through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these, by, by the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and His glory and excellence, now we get to it, verse, verse 4, for by these He has granted to us precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. You see, when the world catches you, it corrupts you. When you go to the world, you're corrupted. The corruption of the world eats away at your soul. That's why to be born again means that I step away. Just like Moses left Egypt. By faith, he left Egypt. And the pleasures of sin in that place. To walk with God. When we follow Jesus Christ, the same is true. So now tonight, I cannot spend this evening... Every time we preach and teach the Word and read the Word of God, we're looking at the, uh, as Peter calls them, the precious and magnificent promises of God. They are precious and they are magnificent. They will help you in all the days of your life, when you're young and when you're old. They are precious and magnificent. So what would I say to you tonight that I want you to remember from this section of Exodus 5. Well, I've labored to give you these words as best I can, so I'll, this is what I'll end with. So please don't lose me now. This is the way we apply this. First of all, God's precious and magnificent promises are sure and always come to pass. A lot of us in this room have lived with the sadness of people breaking promises, and we have broken our promises. God does not break His promises. I say it again. God does not break His promises. He keeps them. God keeps His promises. Hebrews 6.18 It is impossible for God to lie. Hebrews 6.18 If God says He's going to do it, He will do it. It is impossible for God to lie. It is against the very nature of God in His divine perfections to lie. Secondly, God's promises are based on God's ways and God's will. His promises are... Sometimes when we hear people talk about taking the promises of God, it's this consumer mentality. Well, these are all for me. Sure they are, but they're not for you in the way you want them and the time you want them and how you want them. You're missing the point. This is the sad thing about how sometimes the promises of God are perverted by God's people. You take a promise of God and you twist it so that it fits Dixon County. That's not the way it works. The promises of God are grounded and based on God's ways and God's will, by the way, which He is doing in this world today. Everything that's happening in the world today, every detail that's going on in the world today, globally, on this planet, is planned and is in the purposes of God. Every bit of it. Do you know the secret? Do you live as one of those who knows the secret? Or have you forgotten and been carried away? And you're hoping and thinking, well, surely some group of humans will figure it all out. Are you truly thinking that, that that's going to happen? You see, it's a matter of deciding, is God running the show or 
Or is God really not here? You know, it's the atheist idea. It's, there's no real God. It's all accidental and it's just going to work out to whatever it works out to be. I hope you're not one of those. You see, God's promises are fulfilled in the perfect timing of God. Oh, I, I should have mentioned this. Uh, God's promises are based on God's ways and wills. In Jeremiah, there's a phrase that he uses several times. The purposes of God's heart. I love that phrase. Th this describes what it is we talk about the promises of God. They are the purposes of God's heart. The promises of God are the purposes coming from the heart of God. That's why they're so magnificent and precious. God's promises are fulfilled in perfect timing. I, I read this to you. You're all in this room all know. That. What did Paul say in Galatians 4.4? When, listen, I'm going to read it carefully. Galatians 4.4. When the fullness of time came, God sent His Son. He sent Him when the fullness of time came. The promises of God are always tied to the fullness of time. And there are yet promises <clears throat> for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and terrible days of judgment and the millennial reign of Christ and other things which will come that have not yet occurred. But when the fullness of time comes, they will come. That means that someone above time controls time because he created time. God's people must endure affliction waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. Boy, here's the hard one, isn't it? Oh, Pastor Mike, I love the promises of God. It's just the waiting that kills me. Yes. It's hard, isn't it? We wait and we wait and we wait. And Israel was there for 400 years. And Moses was in the wilderness preparing for 40 years. We wait and we are afflicted while we wait. This makes no sense. This makes no sense. That's why the worldling says, you people are crazy. You're crazy. All of you Christians. To go through the suffering you go through, to do what you do for what? For the promise, for the future, for what you don't know unless you are saved, my worldly friend. Hebrews eleven thirteen. all these died in faith. Look, they all died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them, this Greek word for welcome means to salute. They saluted them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. When you believe the promises of God, you go on a journey away from the world toward heaven. God's people must trust God who promises. Look, faith lives on the promises of God. Faith lives on the promises of God. I'm asking you tonight, are you living on the promises of God? We used to sing standing on the promises. Are you living on the promises? It's the only way you're going to make it. That's why I asked you before, what, what is your confidence? What have you based your future and facing death? What, what promises do you base your future life on and the end of your life on? And oh, by the way, the, the, the days of your children, the days of your grandchildren and all that's going on. What do you base all of that on? What, what gives you your assurance? What makes you depressed or gives you optimism or hope as we call it in God's word? God's people, number six is not written right. Let me, let me rephrase it. God's people many times desire God's promises to be fulfilled according to their ways and timing. That's the problem right here in chapter 5 of Exodus. Moses delivers the message, but all of a sudden it looks like it all unravels. And what do you have? You have the... You have, you have the uh, elders and these people saying to Moses and Aaron, you've made us odious to Pharaoh. What happened? I thought God was going to deliver us. And then you have Moses going back and saying, you haven't delivered God's people at all. In fact, I quote, you have brought harm to this people. 
When God's word is preached, now you've brought harm to the people. That's even worse than it was before. God's people many times desire God's promises to be fulfilled according to their own ways and timing, not God's ways and timing. Anybody in this room ever been like that? Well, Lord, I thought you were going to... Well, stop right there. You see, it's presumption on the promises of God. It's presumption that there's an American way we do it. That there's some idea that we have that... that uh, God's promises are be used in this way. Be careful of presuming on the promises of God. They're not mine. They're given to me by God. They're His promises for me as God's child. God's delays. Why hasn't the Lord come? Because the Lord is patient, not wishing that any should perish so that every human being on the planet today, every generation might hear the gospel. The church has work to do, and we seem to be stalled, spinning on some bunch of silliness from the world. We have work to do. It is to share the gospel. This is the primary... May God have mercy on us if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ does not share the gospel aggressively during COVID. When we get to heaven, we will know what God says about that. God's delays are part of God's ways of preparing to fulfill His promises. Things have to be in order. Things have to be in order. And God is a God of perfect detail. Everything will be in place so that you'll read those wonderful words like many of you have read in your Old Testament. And it happened. I love that phrase in the Old Testament. It happened. Ruth just happened to be in that field of Boaz. Just happened. Did it just happen? No. In the providence of God, Ruth finds her way to the field of Boaz. It happened. It happened. It happened. Go. You, you smart Bible people in here, go, go use your concordance. Just look it up sometime. It happened. Look at all the places in the Word of God it says it happened. That's about timing. It's about the fulfillment of God's promises. Delay prepares for fulfillment of the promises of God. God's people must be careful not to presume on the promises of God. And God's promises, oh, my brothers and sisters, hear my heart. God's promises are perfectly arranged according to His perfect plan for all of the ages and for all that He will do on planet earth to the glory of God. And I've given you one of my favorite old preachers, Thomas Brooks. He wrote a book in 1657 called Heaven on Earth. So tonight I'll close with this. The, number 10. Live on the absolute and spiritual promises of God. What, what Thomas Brooks wrote here, he says better than I could ever say it in bullet points. So I decided tonight we all get to hear from, you get to hear from one of my old friends who's been with the Lord for many, many, many hundreds of years, but he had a faithful ministry in his days in England. These spiritual and absolute promises are of nearest and greatest concern to you. He's writing to believers now, and I'm speaking to you, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. These spiritual, please notice his language. The promises of God, spiritual and absolute promises of God are nearest and greatest, are of the nearest and greatest concern to you. These carry in them most of the heart of Christ, the love of Christ, the goodwill of Christ. These are of greatest use to satisfy you. They will settle you when you are wavering, support you when you are falling, guide you when you are wandering, comfort you when you are fainting, counsel you when you are staggering. Therefore, make these your best and dearest companions, especially when it is night within your souls. When you are sensible of much sin and 
but a little grace, of much corruption, but of little consolation, <clears throat> of much deadness, but of little life, of much hardness, but of little tenderness, of many fears, but a little faith. That's what the promises of God are for. The Jews under the law had more temporal promises than spiritual. But we under the gospel have far more spiritual promises than temporal. Therefore, here I want you to hear me now. Therefore, sit down at this fire and be warmed. Drink of these springs and be satisfied. Taste of these delicacies and be encouraged. Let the eye of faith look on all the promises, but set your mind on the spiritual promises, on absolute promises. They will have the greatest influence on the heart to holiness and to prepare your heart for everlasting happiness. Preachers don't talk like that anymore. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God. How we pray tonight that you might help us to eat, thrive, drink in, soak up your blessed promises. Oh, Lord Jesus, your words of life, your words of life, your truths that last, your promises that last to every generation. May we pass the promises, the absolute spiritual promises of God given through the Lord Jesus Christ to our children and our grandchildren. May they hear the truth of the promises of God so that they might believe. May the church rise up and may we stand and live by the promises of God in the victory that comes in knowing Jesus Christ, these magnificent and precious promises, all we need for life and godliness. Make us your godly, holy people faithful to share the gospel in these troublesome days so that Jesus Christ will be glorified in our generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you for being here tonight. Good to see you. Say hello to somebody on your way out. Those of you watching us, may the Lord bless you. Come back and be with us when you're ready. God bless you. Have a great evening. Have a good day.